welcome back to Did You Bring Me a Monkey? And this week, the title is I'm an Awful Mother. I hear this phrase all the time from you, and it always makes me kind of sad uh, to hear you say that. And I wish there were so many things I could tell you at the moment. A lot of times, all, all the times you get upset or you have a breakdown, the constant is, the constant thing that, that takes you off the ledge is um, in no particular order me being around you and my touch and listening uh, or scripture and so I can't really touch you where I'm at unless we're listening to this together but I can give you some scripture on on mothering and um, the first one I'm going to say is Proverbs 31 25 through 30 uh, and you exude this more than anything. Uh, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household, and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you, Bonnie, surpass them all. I added your name in the end. That wasn't part of the Greek um, manuscript, I'm sure. But uh, one of the things I want to tell you is during this breakdown, you, I want you to answer some questions for me. One of the questions is, um, are you hungry? Uh, have you not been around the kids for an extended period of time? That's the second question. Um, is work stressing you out? Those are kind of some contenders that trigger some of these, uh, especially the extended period of time. Whew, excuse me. I don't know why I keep yawning. It's like one in the afternoon, but it's a lot of talking. Another thing I would ask you is, were you on Facebook and read someone's terrible Facebook status? Uh, did you watch some video that showed a mom that's portrayed better than than you think you are, and or have you talked to your mom lately and gotten some judgment there, or have you talked to your dad lately and gotten some judgment there, or your sister, or input any character uh, in your family or your life, or Haley or any of your other friends that you've talked to or acquaintances. All these things trigger you. So I want to um, trigger some things for you. Uh, so I want to tell you what I think makes a good mom. I think what makes an amazing mom is a woman that is present with her children. And you always are. Very rarely do you get exhausted, turn on the TV, and like tune out. You always want to be present with the kids. You always want to be there. You always want to play with them. And always in some type of culture of learning... Um, that that makes a very good mom. You love your children. That's even bad moms love their children, but but you love their your our kids, and I love watching you love on them. Another thing I think that makes a good mom is you're an amazing wife and partner, and modeling that to our children is imperative for them later on in life. I mean, you could tell your kids to. Try and have a good relationship later on in life, but by modeling it, 
as an amazing wife, you're doing more for them, I think, than we, you or I could even possibly fathom. What else? Uh, you nurture our kids. And I've, I'm going to mention this a lot during this podcast series. But you speak to them in a foreign language that's not your own, that you were school taught. I still don't know how to do that. It would break my heart to try and convey some type of Excuse me. Some type of endearment to our kids by um, by foreign language. I I would feel like it's not being translated. Like my heart isn't. But that's just me. Uh, what makes a bad mom? These things you are not. A bad mom uh, isn't there. Not physically. Has nothing to do with you being there physically. Like you're, I'm sure you're listening to this at work and you're thinking, oh, I'm a bad mom because I'm at work. No, you're a good mom because you're modeling work uh, behavior. A bad mom is home and ignores the kids. You don't do that. And, and I don't mean like ignores the kids once in a while, but has uh, habitually ignores the children. I, I've had so many criminal law cases where that was the case. Uh, I mean, plenty of moms that just they're don't change kids' diapers, and they leave raw chicken out, and do drugs, or alcohol, or stay in abusive relationships. Um, the abusive relationships is kind of slippery slope, because I mean, you understand it better than I do, but abusive relationships that abuse the child, uh, the mom can put a stop to. These are kind of what makes a bad mom. You're not like that. You demand um, a lot of things from me. And that makes you, in turn, a good mom because you're telling Lydia you need to demand this of your husband. That's something that's very important. So when you're hard on me, I really don't take it hard because I want Lydia to demand just as much and get more. I want her to have a husband better than me, and I'm sure that'll be easy to find. <laughs> um, but you're also strong willed, you're independent, you're intelligent, and you're hardworking. You also include the kids in everything. Whenever I'm cleaning something up, I don't want to include the kids because it'll never get done. That's just how I feel. I want to like, get it done, and i got to learn that from you. I have to, I have to let the kids come in and, and uh, help out with, with clean because that's something you do. And you're teaching the kids to clean by modeling it. I'm kind of not. My dad always did that. I always hated that about him. I would do something wrong, and he'd say, no, this is how you do it. And then I would have to watch him complete this task for minutes on end, like sweeping up or mowing the lawn right or picking up after the dog or et cetera. And he, didn't, he never really said, no, this is how you do it, and left me to it. And And you do that, and you guide the children, and it's amazing to watch. It's... It's amazing to watch that little girl I knew at the age of 16, 20-something years later, be a spectacular mom. That metamorphosis that I've got to witness is its an amazing privilege, and I thank you for that every day, for giving me that, that shot. My mom was an okay mom. I, I, since she died when I was young, the... The um, habit is to beatify her and make her turn her into a saint. One thing, a lot of things I do remember her is she was always on the phone with her friends. Uh, she worked a lot, but 
I never held that against her. In fact, I when I could use the phone, I would call her as long as she'd answer, and it would never be a problem so much. Uh, I, I even remember the phone number at Long's. It's it's five one zero three five one zero nine five one. That that was her work number. So I I would not feel bad about you being at work right now if if that's the trigger for for why you're you're um, upset or feel like a terrible mom or have to work later. You're you're <clears throat> you want to go to a union meeting. All those things are good, and the kids are learning from it. Not that you're not there, but that. Mom has a purpose, and she's seeking that out. The other day, I told Lydia, and she probably hasn't gotten it yet, but I'm going to keep telling her, is that I don't want my children to be happy. I think that's a flawed American concept. I want our children to have a purpose. And you have a purpose, and you're showing that to them. You're seeking it out, and you're fighting for it, whether that be the union that you're you're helping with, uh, getting... A better, better contract for all the workers, whether that be you championing this this Spanish with our children and succeeding in based on what I've seen succeeding, or you working for mental health in for a community that's extraordinarily underserved. These are amazing things that you're modeling, and yeah, it takes you away from the kids, but. The kids are understanding, They're, and I tell them all the time what you're doing. They have a good understanding of what you're doing. So you may not be happy right now, but you are serving an amazing purpose. And I I'm have the highest respect for you and what you're doing. Uh, but my mom was on the phone a lot, and she was always talking to Myra or her friend Ginger or Dee or Bev Lenardi. Occasionally... Uh, uh, my Aunt Judy when they were getting along. But I I always noticed that. She she read a lot of books and watched a lot of TV. She didn't really... She participated in some of what my sisters did, maybe because she made friends with all of those uh, friends' parents. So all all of her friends were like... They're like all around the same age. And since I was like so much further down the line... It was hard for them to be friends with any of my friends' parents because there's like at least a decade um, difference in age, and not just a decade, a complete generation. Because my parents lived through the Vietnam War, and all these other parents were much younger uh, than them, and they didn't understand a lot of stuff. So my parents were grown up even in, in their twenties, more like more than we are today. So I'm kind of digressing, but I, I kind of regretted that my mom didn't do more with with us, that she was on the phone a little too much. Those are the things I regret. And, I mean, it's very... Um, I feel very convicted on that because I'm not calling people, but I am on my phone. And I've been trying really hard to keep it in my pocket while the kids are around because I really don't want them to, to think that that's more important than they are. But you don't do that. You almost never have the phone around when you're with the kids. You're always present with them. When I was in Omega, the Steve Kosky gave a great talk on being a leader. And he said, you just need to be there. And you're there. And, and things will happen. And you're very consistent. Even though you think you're not, you are. Sure, we may fly off the handle and yell at the kids or like lose our temper. That's kind of part of 
all of it. I would hate for our kids to grow up in a house where they think their parents are perfect. Imagine that kind of anxiety that would that would put on them. I mean, you already see it in George a little bit. Which brings me to, uh, I want to switch course. Last time I talked about the first time I had dinner with your family. This time I'm going to talk about what led up, I think, to us almost starting to date. I remember the basketball game that we reconnected at. It was after biology. It was like the, I think it was a year later. And I think my cousin was a, he was a senior and I was a junior. So you were a sophomore. You came up and I believe you were wearing a, I think like a black sweater, but it was a long sweater. Uh, I want to say a headband, but maybe I'm wrong. And uh, you were there and Stephanie Carp came up as well. And I was talking about my cousin, I'm sure, playing basketball because I was so nervous when you were there. I was, like, very nervous. And I think my sister Amy, or was it Jen? I think it was Jen. Jen was there, and we were talking, and I think Jen whispered or something. And, like, you were walking around a little bit. I think Jen said, hey, I could take her home if you want, just if I could spend more time with you. I think it was Jen. That doesn't make any sense. It would make more sense if it was Amy. Gosh. Now I don't know. Darn it. You know, I think it was Amy. Anyways. But that was an amazing game. Because it was really nice to talk with you. And I think at that game you gave me your number. Two, seven. Oh, wait. I'm not going to say the... Uh, Basically, I, I remember your phone number. I don't. If someone else uh, listens to this podcast uh, just for privacy reasons, they they wouldn't be able to find you. But uh, what the hell? Two seven six six five nine three. That was your phone number, and uh, it's not your number anymore. But I know I called it quite a bit. I mean that that I burned that number in my memory, and we just. I think we just talked. We. I was very comfortable around you. I think you were dating someone at the time. Uh, I forget who. You're a sophomore. I mean, pick whoever. But it, it was just nice to talk to you about my stupid crushes I was going through. You know, and it's a good thing because I, I didn't tell you that I really, really liked you then. Really. But I just didn't have the heart to tell you. I mean, I liked a lot of people. and I'm not going to mention names. But there's like one particular one I liked. Thank God that never worked out. Thank God for unanswered prayers. But you were you were definitely up there. Uh, you really gave me a boost of confidence, even then, that girls would even be willing to talk to me. The only girls that really talked to me were my sisters when they had to. So it was just it's something uh, you know a little boy's not used to. And going through what I was going through then, I was a junior, so I had braces and terrible acne. I was going through just a tough time in my life. Uh, I think I was depressed, but I, I can't remember. Now, you were a ray of light that day. That was that was an amazing day. What else do I remember about that day? Oh, yeah, I, when I got home, it was Amy. When I got home, Amy was talking to my mom about how a girl was talking to George the whole basketball game. My mom was very interested, 
and I did not want to tell them anything because I just didn't, I don't know, I, I didn't want the attention because I knew my mom would ask about it a lot, and I knew that you were way out of my league, and there is no way you would ever even consider dating someone like me. So that's why I kind of try to put a uh, stop to that. That was in the fall. We stayed friends for a while on the phone, and uh, I I know you and I are going to split hairs on this, but I'm pretty sure I was in the kitchen or in the garage with the kitchen telephone, and I asked you, would you be willing to go to the junior prom with me? And you were like, yes, yes. And even though, like, I knew you were dating that other guy, um, but I had ulterior motives, of course, but I just wanted to find someone because the culture in my family was junior proms and senior proms and winter balls. Those were all huge, huge deals. All the families would come over. They'd see my sisters, you know, all primped and proper, and all the guys would come over in their tuxes, and uh, there'd be a limo that drove people different places and to eventually dinner and the prom, and it was just a whole thing, and life is caught, and so I wanted that. I thought that was normal. So when the one person I wanted to go with said no, I felt really dejected, and you were always there, but you were always dating someone, and you know, I the the true self-confidence I had wasn't there. And I did not think you would ever even remotely consider me for some romantic relationship. But I I really think it was in the I really think it was in the kitchen. In the or in the garage. Because I remember your ex excitement. It was the exact opposite of when I asked you to marry me. It was a yes, yes. Um, and they're like, and you even said, I'll, I'll, but let me talk it over with, with uh, what's his name? I was like, yeah, no, that's totally fine. And if, and if it's not a problem, and if you, if you can't, I, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to have to, oh, you just texted me. I'm headed to you. Um, so you're doing a play date and letting me rest because last night I may have had too much to drink. I think a bottle of scotch is too much. Uh, but I didn't read the label on it because... I couldn't read after a while. I'm fine now. I'm really tired, though. Still kind of queasy. What was I saying? Yeah, when you said yes to go to the junior prom, that was amazing. And we had dinner again. And I was friends with your... I was learning to be friends with your family, and I think they liked me. And I know my mom really liked you. But I'm going to save the junior prom for another day. Just the experience. Because um, it was magical. And it wasn't what I expected, and there are a lot of things I wish would have happened, but it was, you're you're a good person, Bonnie. You're a very good person, and you showed me a lot of kindness when you really didn't have to. And these are things that I'll never forget, and hopefully our children learn this as well. And I'm almost positive they will, just, just by you being you. And uh, just don't get so hard on yourself, because life is caught. And uh, I think you're an amazing woman. It's 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 a great life we have. It's not perfect, and it shouldn't be. That would be kind of boring and stressful in a way. But 
you're headed to me. Uh, you went to a play date somewhere in the Oakland Hills, so uh, you're coming back. So I'm going to have to um, edit this and post it. I'm kind of, cha- I think I'm going to change the song, the, the end song, today. Mm, probably make it a little creative. Anyways, I love you more than anything. You're not an awful mother. You're an amazing mother. And an amazing wife. And you're my best friend. And you're the partner that I just dreamed of. I love you, Bonnie. Bye. You stated your case time and again. I thought about it. You treat me like I'm a princess. I'm not used to lying. Something rational 